AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host, Bar Kelly, brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldis.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Aldis podcast. I'm your host Ben Sparks and today we are continuing with our ServiceNow mentorship series, interviewing some of the best and brightest leaders and technical talent from across the ServiceNow ecosystem. This episode has a very specific focus being part of our micro series giving our listeners a rare insight into the ServiceNow gig economy or IC economy. The aim is to shine a spotlight on some of the ServiceNow experts who have made a successful career from either transitioning to being an independent contractor or starting their careers in the independent contractor market space. Today we are lucky to host Chris Halverson, a ServiceNow architect and overall technologist and a castle builder, um, which he will tell you more about later on today. Chris started his career as a, a, an independent contractor back here in 2013. Chris is certified and is an experienced architect and administrator. He focuses on ITSM and ITIL processes and overall has about 25 years or more IT operations and consulting experiences. Chris's specialties include, but not limited to, ServiceNow development and implementations, process workshops, configuration management, a CMDB, discovery implementations, monitoring of architects and implementations, custom tools and integrations, tool selections, operational reviews, and gap analysis, which is uh, is quite a lot to roll off the tongue. So Chris, welcome to the <laughs> It certainly is. Uh, nice to be here, Ben. Thanks for having me. Nice. Let's jump straight in. Always good to give our listeners a quick overview of yourself and, and who they're listening to. I'd love to know a bit about your kind of career to date, high level overview. I started out as an independent <laughs> contractor in 2013, but that's like the last part of my career. I actually didn't go to college for computer science. I went for political science, international studies. But once I got out and I had some friends in IT, that kind of sparked my interest. So mid-90s is when I went to work for a large consulting house, but I started through the ranks as a help desk, took the calls, fixed, and helped you with your desktop work, and became a Unix admin, and then got into enterprise systems monitoring work, and kind of kept going from there. So really had three parts, that, that intro technical part where I really started learning all the, the Unix systems and how to do coding. Then the second part of my career, I got into all the ITIL process work. And then lastly, it all melded together, taking the technical, taking the ITIL process, and then merging that into uh, playing with ServiceNow. Nice. Thanks for that. And you touched on it there, but everyone seems to have a different story when it comes to how they got introduced to ServiceNow. So can you maybe talk about that specifically? Yeah. So used to do different help desk work. You've got your BMC remedies and HP service desk. And so I had gotten used to doing some implementations around those tools. And one of the complaints that we always had was the upgrades were difficult. And friends and I had talked about what would you do? And lo and behold, along came uh, ServiceNow and uh, they made the upgrades much easier. They insulated the whole customization layer. So whatever you touched, they had to have that all wrapped up. So that's what caught my eye was it solved an issue that we had. And then as I looked at it a little bit more, it really looked to be a natural fit for 
the work that I had done. That I've had this process side of me. I've had this technical side of me. I had done work in CMDBs. I had done work with other help desk tools. So this really just seemed like a, a natural evolution. So it just, it seemed to fit really nice. Looking at the contract market specifically, again, lots of people have different reasons and I'm interested in your reasons for moving into the, the contracting market specifically. I had already had pretty much a full career as a mainstream consultant. I'd always worked for uh, a mix of different houses. I'd worked for the large shops. I've worked for some smaller regional shops. I really wanted to go off on my own and I had some selfish reasons for that. I wanted to have more flexibility in the work that I chose. I wanted to work remote. Funnily enough, before all this COVID, I had already been wanting to work from home. And uh, pairing service now as the tool, which let me be remote, and then going off on my own to, to have more flexibility with what I chose, that all fit really well together. So one of the things that we, when we first met or, or spoke, you, we touched on castle building. And I'm sure that's a term that maybe some people in the service now will know, I don't know, but uh, talk to me about castle building. Yeah, that actually stemmed from a blog post that I had posted earlier in the year. And there was a teenager that I know who looked at me one day and, what do you do? And so that made me take a step back and, and, and think about what is it that I do? And uh, castle building is what I came up with and really have taken that on as a personal moniker. And castle building is defined as someone who builds castle in the air or forms visionary schemes. And so really I've taken that to be us developers who try to go out and create things, who are either building our own dreams or helping someone else realize their vision, whether that's a large company in a project or whether that's a small entrepreneurial effort, I think of those those tools, those developers as castle builders. Yeah, it's, it's interesting trying to, going over your job title with uh, someone younger. Uh, a friend of mine said, said to me once that his child said to him, Daddy, all, all you do is just talk to people all day, <laughs> which I thought was funny. So yeah, him, I can imagine that was quite a cool conversation. But you've been in the market a while. We all have those. You've given us an overview of your career. I'd love to know about some of the milestone projects. And I'm thinking and maybe ones that still today of you look back on and see them as tipping points in your evolution as a technologist. So probably one of the very first projects that I took on, once I became an independent, that definitely would have been a milestone project. It was the ability to work remote. I was my own guy at that point, but I had worked for a well-known entertainment company based out of California. And so you know, that was really a milestone for me that I was working with different time zones, even though it's just in, in the US, but really embracing some larger shifts that I had done in my life, and that being a big part of that. Uh, so that was really jumping off, making that leap of faith into not working for a consulting house and, and working for myself. And then more recently, really the last three years, really the, the current project that I'm working on now is really been an eye-opener, uh, a huge milestone, and just gaining additional skill, going into the custom app dev space, working with other really talented people and quite frankly just building really cool stuff and coming up against requirements that just seem impossible and you break it down and you figure it out and you get it done and so that's that's been really huge and it's a project that we've grown from me as the original developer taking over some work from the ServiceNow professional services team and growing that out to seven teams and working globally. Uh, so my mornings are really 
pretty busy because I'm usually on the phone with the other developers across the globe. So yeah, this last project has been huge. Nice, excellent. So how do you describe your skill set if you had to, to summarize it? So I like to tell people that really I just traded human languages for computer languages. So a big part of my skill set is picking up scripting languages along the way. So I had mentioned earlier I was a political science international studies major in college. And so along with that was German language, Russian language. I took some sign language. I just was always fascinated with language. So really, I, like I said, I just traded the human ones for the computer ones. So <clears throat> that's been a huge boon to me to be able to just write code. But really, beyond that, my real skill isn't technical. It's really translating between technical and non-technical audiences. Uh, so whenever I've gotten feedback, usually get positive feedback from folks is your ability to communicate, your ability to break down complicated technical things into non-technical audiences. And that really works well in an agile environment where you're demoing, you're working with product owners, you're working with a large variety of people, not all of whom are deeply technical. Being able to understand and communicate is a skill everyone needs to have. Definitely. And, and you know, so effectively bridging those two worlds. We get this question a lot and and we get different views. In your opinion, what, what are the key differences between being a contractor and a quote unquote employee? For me, it's a huge difference in my freedom of choice. And there's compensation components and things in there as well. But for me, I wanted more of a choice to be able to select my projects. From a company perspective, that difference is going to be around the ability to ramp up projects quickly or ramp them down. You know, that's the whole point of a company requiring a contractor. So really, part of that is I've traded probably that tracking uh, through a career at a company and trying to rise through the ranks. I've traded that for compensation and for flexibility and for freedom. And so I, I've never really had the the mindset of being in one place for 20 years. Every few years I get itchy and want to do new things and take on new challenges. And contracting has really been a way for me to be able to embrace that. Amazing. Hyper-specialization more generalist skill sets we're seeing definitely a need for both out there how do you position yourself as a contractor and i'm thinking of what advice would you maybe give to others in a competitive market like it is now yeah i've actually been a generalist for a lot of my career and only recently would i say i've become more of a specialist within the service now space so maybe a specialist within a specialty but really the positioning is around i'm a senior developer i've got well, i've been working with service now since 2010 uh, so i've been around the block now but really it's about positioning myself as in between kind of everybody else and, and one one side of our landscape you've got ServiceNow Professional Services, the boutique consulting houses, and I've worked for them. And on the other side, you've got you know, your traditional staff hog, your offshore resources. And I really try to position myself in the middle, closer to the boutique consulting, but I'm just a one-man show. I'm not bringing along a large team of people. So usually I'm pricing myself in just below the, those boutique consulting houses from a price standpoint. I market myself as someone that you would have gotten through those services uh, as an experienced resource, as really your best friend in the project, your advisor, as an architect on the program. 
we talk a lot about contract interviews. A lot of this is about mentorship. How do you position yourself outside of your skill set, maybe to even to, to win at a contract interview? I'm sure there are multiple people and as you just alluded to maybe even organizations that you're competing against i'd love to know about how you're winning these interviews and also how do you get the gigs in the first place yeah so when i i'm wrapping up a contract obviously i'm like anybody would i'm i'm starting to warm up my network uh, i'm going out to linkedin i'm making calls to to folks i've worked with in the past most of the work that i land is not through traditional job interviewing usually through networking. I've been consulting for over 25 years. I'm usually reaching out. That doesn't mean that things line up, but one thing I do is I do attend networking events. If ServiceNow is putting on a, you know, a large event and not this project, but my last project as how I ended up landing that work is I attended a large networking event. I caught up with, with folks I knew. Someone I had worked with in the past was presenting part of a, a large company around Minnesota here, uh, presented what their team was working on. They had many instances of service now. And I reached out to him just to catch up and tell him I really enjoyed his presentation. How are things going? And in that conversation, he'd say, he, hey, he's looking for developers. And uh, we, we worked out an agreement right on the phone. Uh, so just being proactive and in, in reaching out to folks, uh, keeping your network warm uh, is very important. Uh, and then reaching out to people you've done work in the, with in the past is very important. You, you spoke before, and I'd love to revisit it, about bridging the gap between technical and non-technical worlds. Stakeholder management is something that is, is always top of mind with people and wanting to learn about that. What's your approach to stakeholder management in a project? Really, uh, I would say the core tenant of any stakeholder management is it's, it's really all about managing expectations. Uh, I tend to work on larger scale projects, uh, so we tend to have quite a few stakeholders. But really, the tenant that I live and die by is communicate early and often. I've never had a stakeholder really be upset if you couldn't get something done. What they do get upset about is if you can't get something done and they didn't know about that. If you communicate that there's an issue coming and you offer solutions to mitigate that, that will always be well received. Just You just never want anyone to be surprised. Cool. And come with a plan. And come with a plan. It's better to come with solutions than problems, right? To, you don't want to be a complainer. On that note, what was the most challenging things to consider? I'm cautious not to open Pandora's box here. What's the most challenging things to consider when someone's navigating the, the gig economy? I think for a lot of folks, it's probably whether or not they want to join that economy at all. I, I get a lot of questions from people around, hey, I've been, I'm a, I'm a W-2 employee and I'm thinking about making a shift. And really, I usually what I offer back is, are you comfortable with change, right? If you're not comfortable shifting around in four months to do your next project, and again in six months, and again in six months, then that might not be for you if you don't like that change. But if you like that change, if you like to shift, then, then it can be a very good move. So. What I would offer is, you know, do the math, figure out what's right for you. It, it's really, a, it's a math game. What's the health insurance going to cost? Hey, don't forget about your self-employment taxes. Don't forget to save capital so that when you're in between projects, you, you know, aren't scrambling. And it can be a very rewarding experience, but you have to go into it with your eyes open. 
Awesome. That's really good advice. And I think it is one of the reasons we're doing this is it, I think it's very easy to see the the positives. It's obviously you know, really good to you know, look at it from a realistic point of view. But on that note, what's the best things about being a contractor? The variety. So I do like things to be, I like to have things shook up quite often. I've always said that if you're loving your project, be happy and love that you're enjoying it so much. If for some reason you're not quite so happy with your project, that you'll be moving on to another one soon too. The variety, building your network, meeting new people, learning from new people, mentoring people. I love all of that. It's just for me, it's always been about conquering new challenges and uh, doing something different, not having to do the same thing over and over. Awesome. Looking at the platform itself, and, and obviously just your opinion, but what, what's next and, and how is the ITSM, ITIL side of the platform evolving in the next coming years? And what's the most exciting things that up and coming for you? So you keep hearing about no code and, and things like that. I've seen over the last many years, really, the ITIL, the ITSM kind of portions of the tool, they've matured quite a bit over the years. It was the, the first parts of the tool that ServiceNow built. So I'm not seeing you know, a lot of heavy investment there. They're building other parts of the tool. I think where you see changes in the ITSM ITIL side is when they make more global changes, user interface changes to workflow, incremental improvements, those get reflected onto the on the ITIL side of the tool. But you're seeing other changes with low code and other uh, other things that support the the vision that ServiceNow isn't an ITSM tool. It's a platform as a service tool. And they've worked very hard to grow beyond the perception that they're an ITIL solution. Uh, a help desk service desk tool they do that they do that very well uh, but they do a lot more as well cool and as we're coming to an end again looking back over your career this has been really helpful and i'm sure other people will take a lot of key learns from it but you know, what advice would you give to a younger chris buy bitcoin <laughs> and beyond that we can do it together yeah yeah we'll see how things uh, keep shaking out here i I'd say the phrase embrace the suck comes to mind. And what I mean by that is we've all got periods of our careers that are very difficult where you doubt yourself and maybe for someone who's just jumped into contracting and they're getting things off the ground, that might be a time where they doubt themselves. But what I've found throughout my career is usually when things are the hardest, when when the project and the workday is the biggest struggle, I've always looked back and learned that's usually what I've learned and expanded when I've grown the most. And so I've never regretted those hard projects. So you just have to realize that when you're having the hardest time, that's really when you're transforming the most and embrace it, accept it. Some great advice there. Chris, this has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed this chat. Is there anything you'd like to add before we call it a, call it a day? No, I've really enjoyed uh, spending time with you, Ben. I appreciate the, the chance to chit chat with you and wish everyone well to uh, look forward to it um doing it again thank you very much cheers bye bye-bye ai in action is brought to you by allus international covering your business's staffing consulting and networking needs allus offer an exec search program allus can help you discover how data science and ai can transform your company with our unrivaled network of c-suite executives and senior ai professionals we offer retained search services across the us and europe for more information, contact mark at aldus.com. Get the Aldus Advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. 
Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all its members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldis member and get the Aldis advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldis.com. That's www.aldis.com. Aldis International, empowering through AI.